Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, host of the Uncharted Podcast, and what a great week for podcasting we have had. I had the honor to interview one of my favorite country singers, Mr. John Barry, along with his wife, Robin. They've got a new podcast called Faith, Family, and Friends. Also had the hilarious Michael Loftus of the Loftus Party. You can check him out on YouTube and all social medias. He's bringing his talents to Zanies on October 20th here in Nashville. Um, everything is going good in my life. Uh, had a pretty boring, dull week, which is uh, can be a good thing. So not a whole lot of drama, just worked. And uh, next week is my birthday. I will be 38 years old, and I feel every bit of it. But I am going to Detroit, Michigan to see Motown Museum, Hitsville, USA for the very first time. Uh, one of my childhood uh, fondest memories was falling asleep to what was then in Nashville, Oldies 96.3, uh, listening to all the hits of Motown, The Temptations, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, The Marvelettes. Um, you know, the list goes, the Supremes, uh, list of Marvin Gaye. I could talk about it all day long. Finally get to touch it, to feel it, to be in its presence. Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, the Jackson five, uh, beyond excited about that. My daughter and I are taking the trip. We're going to drive and I hope and pray for safety. And as we get to go, enjoy that. We're also going to check out the, uh, Henry Ford museum, uh, check out all the things got going there as my beloved grandfather, Bill Belcher worked at the Ford Glass Plant in Nashville for 35 plus years. So hopefully I can go there and check that out and uh, maybe I can pay homage to him and let everybody know of all the service he provided putting in glass at Ford in Nashville for 35 plus years. Okay, without further ado, I will get uh, on with it and we got these awesome interviews and thank you for listening and here we go. First up on this week's Uncharted podcast, we were glad to have Grammy award-winning artist John Barry and his wife, Robin. They have a brand new podcast called Faith, Family, and Friends. Something really special about their program is they conducted the last interview ever with Charlie Daniels. So be sure to subscribe and check that out. We discussed that and a whole lot more coming up next. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Ah. Joshua, John, and Robin Berry here. Hey, pleasure. How are you doing today? Doing terrific. How are you? Uh, fantastic. I was really excited to get to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time. We are excited to be with you. Yes, Thank we you. are. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, let's just dive right into it. First and foremost, um, glad you guys got a podcast out. Um, it looks very exciting. Um, Let's, let's let's dive into it and talk about it. Uh, faith, family, and friends, and it's already uh, started, right? Correct, eight, if I'm not mistaken? It started um, about 10 days ago. We had our first podcast come out, and um, it was just me and John, but this coming up Friday, we will have our first interview with a guest that will be that, released. That is fantastic. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's it's a great thing. Podcast is a lot of fun. I mean, I, I enjoy it, and uh, 
uh, you know, being a big fan of uh, your husband's and finding out that you've been a part of his music for so long. I can't wait to to listen and learn, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great stuff. Um, I saw your list of stuff, and uh, one thing that really intrigued me was that you you got the last interview with Mr. Charlie Daniels. Is that correct? Yes, we did. Uh, It was on uh, July the 1st, and unfortunately, he passed away on the 6th. Mhm. Yeah, what a what a great great man. I, uh, two of my cousins worked for him for years. One drove his equipment truck, and the other sold his merchandise. And every time I got to speak who, with him, they're the they're who Potts, were they? Uh, uh, Tommy Potts and his son. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. 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 Very cool. I, I was managed by David Corlew for many years. Oh, and, neat. Uh, and and so we've met those guys. Yeah, it was a um, great. Um, interview charlie was uh it's it's we basically it's unedited and we um we left it at the 55 minutes that it was because charlie just really goes in depth about his faith he shares the plan of salvation and it's quite fascinating that within the first 19 minutes of the interview that he mentions being in heaven twice Really? Uh, it just was a really special, special conversation that we had with him, and um, we will cherish it forever. That is amazing. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, he was such a good human. And uh, another person that I've had an interaction with that was equally as nice was Mr. John Barry himself. I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> um, we were at the Skirmerhorn Symphony Center some years back, back when you could mingle out with human human beings. <laughs> and... Um, it was the um it was like a uh it was a symphony but like a big band USO salute like an old fashioned army type musical type deal. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going down the steps, it's like a little intermission trying to find the restroom and there at the foot of the stairs is John Barry I go loud like a like a crazy person. Hey, John Barry's down there And uh he, you know, John, John, you turned around. Of course, you were so nice to me and asked me my name and took the time to speak to me. I just thought it was so neat being a fan of your music. And, and after I was done, I was like, man, what a dork. Here I am trying – this man's here trying to enjoy some music. And I see him, and I just go, hey, there's John. <laughs> so, but yeah. but um, I've always – yeah, I've always loved to hear, uh, you know, John sing and, and everything and, and it, you know, throughout the years. And I, I remember not too long ago watching him on the Ray Stevens show. I thought that was a great episode. So uh, good memories well, of that. Well, so I, yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you taking the time being nice to me, not thinking, uh, who is this crazy guy? <laughs> so. But um, I, um, so the premise of the podcast is going to be, you know, faith, family, and friends. Uh, and I saw that you, you have some couples, and then you have uh, Glenn Campbell's wife. Is it, you know, is the premises is basically like talking about, you know, being within a relationship and, and putting God first? Like, like uh, what, what's the, is that the pretty much the meat of it and everything? Actually, um, partly, but mostly um, for John and I, um, there's the three most important things in our life is our faith and our family and our friends. And so we talk with each guest about that and how their faith, family, and friends has impacted their personal life, their career, and really everything that they do. So it's, it's more about them telling their stories and then telling their stories of how they came to know the Lord and, and how these aspects of, 
of their faith and their family and friends just impacts them. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fantastic. I really, I really like that you guys are doing that. That's going to be great, and, and it's unique because there's not a whole lot of podcasts about that. Mostly, it's just um, if people interview people, it's just all over the all over the map. There's not really a certain you know uh, premises. So I like you guys at least came up with a theme and like a common denominator, if you will. Yeah, and what's really cool is on some of the. Some of our guests, we ask them to bring along their wives, and uh, we get to to share the roundtable with all of us because with me being John's wife, and and I work in the business, and I sing background for him, and I kind of play a silent role, and um, there's a lot of spouses out there that play silent roles, and it's really interesting when they're involved in the industry with them and the part and the role that they play as their support and as their spouse. And so on some of the the interviews, we do have um, the wives that join us. Like we, we have Dwayne Allen and his wife, Nora Lee, who Dwayne Allen is with the Oak Ridge Boys, and Nora mm-hmm. Lee has been a background singer on the Grand Ole Opry for over 30 years. So wow. the story is quite fascinating in that they're in the business together and each has their own role and career, but how they make it all work together is quite fascinating. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, Robin, because that was my next question uh, for you was, um, do you feel like um, with a with a husband like John, who's, who's world-renowned and obviously guys like me geek out over him, <laughs> is, it, um, is it easier <laughs> on a relationship to maintain – when you're married to a like a country superstar uh, to be involved in the music and like be a part of it versus just being the wife that stays at home while the husband uh, goes out on the road, do you feel like it, it, it bonded you stronger versus you just not having a role in it at all? Well, I do know that it has bonded us stronger. I was not always in the business with John. It didn't start for me until we had been married for about two years. And um, I would, he had, did a demo deal with Warner Brothers and um, a very famous lady sang backup on that record, or not record, but on those demos, Miss Kathy Matea. Oh, wow. And so Tom said, man, you ought to learn these songs. So I kind of grew up in high school singing a little bit. but So I did, and, and every time they'd play those five songs at the club or wherever he was, I would jump up and sing with them. And it wasn't too much too much longer after that that he ended up getting a record deal with Capitol Records and I sang on the five songs um, that I knew and um, he got a record deal that day and uh, they had a girl sing on the album and so I had a gig and bless him for taking out somebody who was as green as I was who had no idea how to make their monitor work or how to EQ anything or use a microphone. But for us, it, it really worked, and um, it has made our marriage stronger. Uh, John is, a, is very good at um, listening to what my opinion is about business decisions. Ultimately, you know, it all lies in his lap, and he has to make the decision. But, but I have a voice. Um, this platform faced family and friends, so it's the first time that I've actually been out in public with him and had a voice. And so it has been a unique opportunity for us, and we have really enjoyed doing this together. Yeah, that that's great. And, and that's how, you know, re- reading some of the stuff that you were actually involved in it that way, because 
what fascinates me is that you really never truly know unless somebody, you know, voluntarily tells you, like you were talking about Dwayne and his wife and then you and John. And I, I love the background stories like that. That's the best part is getting to go, go further than just the exterior and learn, like, what makes the machine work, if you will. Oh, yeah. Um, one of my favorite conversations we've had with another couple is Coach Vince Dooley and his wife, Barbara. And if anybody, if you watch college football or SEC football, you know Coach Vince Dooley from the University of Georgia. Mm -hmm. And having grown up in Athens, it was just such a real pleasure for us to be able to talk with them, the two of them, and got some incredible stories about their family. And it it was a lot of fun to talk to Coach and his wife, Barbara, together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, he he's legendary. And his his son, uh, he coached a couple of years at UT, I believe, or, or made an attempt to. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and and now he's uh, he's coaching in the in the pro ball, and uh, they talk about him some. It, it was just a great a great great conversation we had with them. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I wanted to compliment you on something. Um, my uh, the richest man, which is to me uh, is a beautiful beautiful song. I, uh, my grandmother recently passed away, uh, 62 years of marriage with my grandfather. And that song reminds wow. me of him. That's, that my granddad's like that, you know, in the beginning, working two jobs to support his family, um, you know, hardworking, uh, work for everything he had, but, you know, just the happiest, most blessed and grateful human ever. You know, might might not necessarily had everything money could buy, but truly was the richest man. And every time I hear it, you know, like I said, my grandmother had passed, but, makes me think of my grandfather and you know he's going to have the same legacy you know when he passes there'll be a full church somewhere with people celebrating him and just just a great yeah thank you for sharing that with the world it's truly fantastic thank you yeah um, i appreciate that thank you well with that um 42 years of music how does it feel to do what you love that long wow (laughs) (laughs) well it's been a long ride there's no doubt about that and uh, but it's been fun and and uh we miss being out on the road yeah. though right now it's hard with um with covid and it's shut touring down some but we're seeing windows of opportunity open back yeah. up and getting to go back out on the road we'll be doing about hopefully 10 christmas shows this year we you know we normally do between 20 and 25 yeah but we might have 10 dates this christmas we'll see we've got a couple this weekend that's exciting we get to go out and play uh friday night and sunday night so that's we'll do great those. Yeah, a lot of people look forward to them Christmas shows. That's always a big hit. Um, have you ever done one at the Franklin Theater? That's kind of my stomping ground there. Yeah. Yeah, we do Christmas there. We've been there about what, every what, other what, year. No, Franklin, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. What's the the big theater there? Franklin Theater. Yeah. We didn't do Christmas there. Huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I haven't done a Christmas there yet. That's I mean, what I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we did. Okay. Well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully one day we can catch one of those. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful theater. They really uh, put yeah, a lot it's a of lovely room. It, yeah, to uh, get it refurbished and everything. Um, well, let's. Uh, I wanted to touch on this because, um, you know, it seems that with the uh, the cancer battle, you you have just taken it full st- storm and you know defeated it with all aspects. Uh, is, all, is all that kind of like in remission now, or, or what's going on with that? Well, so far they they feel strongly that they they got it all out, and I've gone for uh, several. I guess I go about every 
two, three, three months. Three months, Every and three now months. you're on a six month. Yeah, so I'll go in October, and then I'll go six months again. And they're looking, you know, looking for that five year clean mark, you know. So that's the goal. Yeah. But they feel very certain in the 90 percentile that it will never come back. It was um, just uh, very localized. Yeah. 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 So they feel they feel strongly they got it. So we'll just keep a keep a close watch on it. Yeah. Well, thank God for that because, like I said, uh, what what a great voice. I I wouldn't think. Hopefully, nothing will happen to it. So that's uh, that's fantastic to know because when I saw that, that just you know made my lump in my throat. I was like, oh man, of all people, not the great. John Barry <laughs> didn't want that to happen, but um, you know, I, I'm gonna yeah, continue to pray on that. Um, I also read where, um, which seems like forever ago, but last February, I guess you were the seventh performance on the Grand Ole Opry. Was that the last live show you played, or have you played at least a couple since then? Because it seems like that's kind of like when the world started to fall off the map. I think the last, actually, the last show we did was August 8th. Oh, great, we were at uh. Vern Godson Festival over in Alabama. Yes, and we played in Panama City. And yeah, all of them socially distancing, of course. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it, but have. yeah, it's hard. It's uh, the, you know, I think for as much as John loves being out on the road, that's that's his thing that he really enjoys is being out on the road and performing night after night and just. It's just what he loves about this business, his favorite part. So it's hard that, you know, sitting at home and not doing that, that's kind of how the podcast came about. We had to have some kind of outlet to be creative. Sure. Well, you know, at least you're making the most of your, your, you know, your time, your downtime and and doing something wonderful like that. I think it's going to, you know, catch on in in all the great ways Uh, I've subscribed to it already here on my on my uh, Apple. I have an Apple phone, so I, that's my direct link to it. But definitely looking forward to you know hearing it from Charlie Daniels. And then you know I was looking. Uh, you had the um, uh, Glenn Campbell's wife, which I watched that documentary. I just think that's what a fascinating trip she went through there. That towards the end uh, with him and everything, you know, trying to tour. That was a great interview with her. I bet that was fantastic. You know, it was uh, really strong- great. She gave a lot of insight, and she told a lot of. Uh, she really opened up and shared some difficult things that she had to face, and uh, but she, you know, with God's help, she got through it. And, uh, yeah, she had a book that just recently came out called Gentle on My Mind, and um, it covers all of the difficulties that that she faced um, as Glenn's wife during his uh, abusive of alcohol and drugs, and um, then his clean years, and then his years with Alzheimer's. And uh, it's quite a touching story, and um, she's a remarkable lady. That is fascinating. Well, you two are so uh, great to speak with on my end as an interviewer. I could see how people would open up to you and just tell you things. You, you're great to talk to. I really appreciate it. Um, but uh, anyway, let's uh, – um, the next episode, you said, who was your guest uh, on this first po- uh, podcast with with uh, guest? Charlie Daniels. Charlie, Charlie Daniels. Daniels. And then uh, following him will be Vince and Barbara Dooley. How neat is that? Well, hey, I'm really excited. Hey, thank you for your time. It was a thrill to get to speak with you. Truly an honor. And uh, you got a fan in me and a subscriber. And uh, hope to catch you down the road here sometime, hopefully, when we can get back out and enjoy some music. We'll thank look you forward so to that. Thank much. You, we appreciate it. Go to johnberry.com, and folks can find out more about how to subscribe to the podcast. Absolutely, johnberry.com. We'll get on it and all the social medias, of course. 
Coming to Zany's Nashville on Wednesday, October 21st, the hilarious Michael Loftus. Check him out on social media, on YouTube, The Loftus Party. This guy is awesome. I really enjoyed our stimulating conversation. He is hilarious. Check him out and then go see him at Zany's in Nashville if you're here. All right. On with the interview. Uncharted Podcast. Thank you for talking to us. We're glad you're coming to Zany's Nashville. You have a great voice for this kind of stuff. I'm envious of it. I wish I had a booming voice like yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Yours is yours is way better. Yours is way better. Yours, yours just sounds it's a little more clear and it's a little more like authoritic. Like mine just well, sounds like yeah, I fold at any 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 fight comes my way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a filter. I bought it. I bought this through Verizon. Uh, nice. My real voice my real voice sounds like Mickey Mouse. Wow, it's great to be on the show. Let's talk some smack. All right, let's go, people. And then I'll turn it back on. Yeah, that's hilarious. So um, you come in the 21st of October, and I saw on your Twitter it was advertising you're doing uh, taping for Fox News. Is Nashville included in that? Nashville's where I'm doing the taping, dude. Nice. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I did a uh, – Holy smoke. I did a, a comedy special with a couple of buddies of, uh, of mine uh, for Fox Nation uh, about, oh, about six months ago, and it went gangbusters, dude. It went gangbusters. So they asked me to do another one when uh, the quarantine started, and I'm like, what? <laughs> so I hosted, I hosted one from my living room, and that one went gangbusters. And now yeah. that the comedy clubs are kind of open again, uh, they got they got an appetite over there at Fox Nation. They're like, do another one, do another one. I'm like, all right, I'll go down to Nashville and do it. So yeah, we're gonna. That's where we're taping the special. It's gonna be a blast. That is gonna be awesome. Yeah, I watched the one um, where you did it from home, and you had um, Larry the Cable Guy and Reno Collier, who's hilarious, and they're all making fun of each other, saying they're used to telling jokes with no audience, which I, I just thought was so freaking funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really cool of those guys to do that. It was uh. Yeah, Larry the Cable Guy, Reno Collier, and then my buddy Brian Hayner. Uh, yes. They're just really, really, really good dudes, and all of them are so funny. And so uh, I was really, really happy that they, they agreed to do that. Yeah, it's great. But to me, it's funny to listen to comedians, but but another thing is when they roast each other. I just think it's so <laughs> – it just adds yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No um, so- doubt. A question I had for you that's always intrigued me because I, I really respect the art of stand-up. Um, when you do the kind of jokes like like you do or like when you do on your videos or on your Loftus report, do you have to literally write uh, material every day, fresh material to keep up with what's going on in the world? Like is it a challenge? You have to, you have to like re-script everything every day? I was just kind of curious of that. Yeah, and, and let, me just, let me just correct you a little bit. It's the Loftus party guy. The Loftus party. Why party. Why report on here? Oh, the party. I'm sorry I said that. Please forgive me. That's okay. It's some people just trying to grab onto my coattails and ride me to fame. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a lot. You know what? Here's the deal. On uh, on my YouTube channel, which is also The Loftus Party, and all your fantastic listeners should subscribe, mm-hmm. I do videos twice a week. And that is, uh, for me, it's a great exercise. In, ter- in terms of writing stand-up, finding the jokes, 
finding the the comedy angle of a situation. And then if you factor in, there's so many things that you're just not allowed to talk about on YouTube and Facebook, right? If I if I say the wrong word, I will be demonetized on on YouTube. Really? And I like I, yeah yeah oh dude it's. Uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a thought control and a, and a social credit system. However, I like that challenge. You know, I write I write for television shows, and there's certain words you can't say on television shows. So you got to kind of thread that needle. So uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun for me to do. And uh, I got another one that I'll be posting uh, right after I right after I hang up with you. Nice. That's awesome. I look forward to checking that out. But yeah, I've always uh, I've always uh, appreciated um, the guys that go through it. Especially for me, I don't I don't talk a lot of politics in my life. But being a Southern uh, gentleman for life, I tend to lean towards the right and conservatism. But lately, that's kind of like uh, like it's like a kind of like being embarrassed. Like people here, they're afraid to talk about it. Like because now you can't be a part of a party and without the other hating the other. So I don't really know what to do anymore but i love listening to you uh carry on with your stuff <laughs> oh thanks man yeah it's 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 a tough time i mean i think i think twitter youtube facebook instagram all these social media platforms really really uh change the game and it's it's tough you know to go out and you know stand up for your you know your political beliefs without having people just just hate you because one political party has just been so demonized, and it's it's really it's really a scary time right now. When when there's groups like you know Antifa who are like, hey, we're fighting fascism, we're fighting fascism, and then they just roll up into a restaurant and start knocking the food out of your hand and telling you you're a bad person if you don't raise your hand in the in the air. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. So good people good people have to push back against that, and I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, no, it's great. A, a concern for me is my birthday is next week, and I'm going to Detroit for the first time to go see the Motown Hitsville Museum and the Ford Museum and all that. And I'm taking my daughter, and, and that's an honest worry for me. Like, I'm just going to be out there minding my own business, and what if somebody comes and tries to just beat the living snot of me just because I'm trying to go see a museum, and I just happen to be, uh, you know, a Caucasian Southern guy? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, especially if you got your kid with you, dude, I would play ball. I'd say anything. I'd lie my ass off. Just let me go. Just let me check out some Motown. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be saying names. I'd be raising my fist. I'd march with them. I just, you just don't want to get beat up in front of your kid. Then later on, you can tell her, hey, daddy had to lie because daddy didn't want to pick his teeth up off the pavement. That's it. Daddy <laughs> don't want to get his, his brain stoved in just to go see, you know, a museum I've been wanting to see for a long time. Um, yeah, how <laughs> ironic is that? How ironic is that? You want to go to the Motown Museum because that's some of the coolest music that ever came out of America, and now you got to worry about getting your ass kicked because of the way you vote and then the color of your skin and the way you talk. That's hilarious, dude. It's yeah. sad, but it's hilarious. Yeah, it, it is because, I mean, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb <laughs> when I get up there, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know, dude. I mean, a, a lot of people – I was Detroit's a pretty cool town. And Detroit is, uh, you know, they've always had their problems, just like Cleveland's always had their problems. But I have always had fun in Detroit. I've always had a good time. Detroit is is a great uh, example of they just need to, like, get government out of the way and just let – 
downtown Detroit is crazy right now because if you have an idea for a business, they'll just let you open it because they don't, they don't know what they're doing. It's so jacked up. They're like, what do you want to do? I want to open up a Hawaiian barbecue spot with robot dogs. They're like, okay, <laughs> go for it. Good luck to you. <laughs> oh, man, that is something. Yeah. Um, everybody I've talked to, um, because um, in Spring Hill, Tennessee, which is close to where I live, you know, we have the GM plant, what used to be Saturn, and we have a lot of transplants. And they basically say, like, some parts of Detroit is really nice, and then some of it looks like, you know, The Walking Dead took over. So I really don't know what to expect. Yeah, there are. It's it's funny, but, like, the last time I was in Detroit, uh, I was doing I was doing stand up and some friends of mine lived downtown and they're not they're not giving up on the joint. Uh, God bless them. And we went to this really crazy like I was I was kind of halfway lying about the barbecue. We went to this crazy barbecue place and literally across the street is a big, giant, burned out, empty building. But they used it like in one of the Transformers movies. I guess that's where Optimus Prime got his ass kicked by a Decepticon, you know, and they just, they just, they like, they use downtown Detroit for a war zone in movies. Yeah. That's when you know, that's when you know you've been voting the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you just go there and it's already set up for, you know, like an impact war between two humongous robots, that is pretty Right? Wild. And you're like, wow, did Hollywood build that set? And you're like, no, no, that used to be a real building. People used yeah. to work there. Now it's all messed up. It just looks like a war did that. <laughs> That's incredible, man. It's, like you said, it's, it's funny and, and and sad and alarming. It's it's just this world, 2020 has been a, a year I'd love to have just skipped, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was a bad one, man. However, there's always a silver lining. There's always a silver lining. And I think that like America and, and politics and free speech and all that stuff, it's just like a pimple that's just been festering. And 2020, it's all it's all coming to a head and it's just it's just going to pop, you know, and either we're going to go more towards a socialist nation, which I really hope we don't or, uh, you know, freedom and liberty and individual choice will prevail. But I just, if you look around at the way government is just overstepping their bounds, in my opinion, like telling businesses, no, you have to close. We'll tell you when you can reopen. And it doesn't make any sense, dude. None of this makes any sense. Oh, you got to wear your mask to the restaurant, okay? So you, you're in your car, you're not wearing a mask, and then you get to the restaurant, uh-oh, put on your mask because you're about to go in the restaurant. And then some bitch in a mask is like, okay, here's your table. And then you sit down, and then you take your mask off. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, that this this is something. I work uh, weekends at Planet Fitness. I don't know if you have those where you're at. Are you familiar with yeah. that? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, our policy is this. And like I said, I'm just a low totem pole weekend guy, but you have to wear your mask in to scan in, and then you get all the way to the where the equipment's at, and then you can take it off. And so many people will say, so you're telling me I'll catch COVID from the door to the scanning area, but the rest of it where everybody's sweating in motion and, and, and heat and everything, I'm not going to get it. And I'm yeah. basically, that's basically what they're trying to say. So, I mean, you know, we can't lose for winning, and we get all the blunt of it because, you know, we're just trying to do our jobs. Well, right, and you're and you're trying to live under some some government bureaucrat made up the rule, and it makes it, it doesn't make any sense. 
and uh, I, I can understand that, like, you know, before they're like, oh, masks don't do anything, and then like, oh, masks do help, and they keep going back and forth on that. But to me, it seems like uh, the New England Journal of Medicine did a review, and they, they said pretty much outside of a hospital, masks don't work, but what masks do is they're a reminder of social distancing, so that when you're walking down the street and you see somebody in a mask, it's a reminder, oh, okay, yeah, I got I to gotta stay six feet away from that dude. That's what's going to help you is, is yeah. staying away from is the social distancing part. But, you know, I can if you're at a bar and you're getting all drunk and then drunk people always like to talk close. I've never – I never like that. The drunk person will be talking <laughs> loud as hell, and they got to talk right in your ear. So I think masks, masks are good in bars. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't mind people going out and getting drunk, but don't stop spitting on me. I can hear you. You don't have to yell, buddy. Yeah, that here and, and a lot of people in Nashville, they, they like to hug you too. Not not just talk loud to you, but they want to they want to touch your your body while they're you know expressing something to you. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so you get like the whole shabam. Well, let me let me ask you this: um, What were your thoughts on the debate? How did you feel about it? Like, I I want to know what you actually thought because it was something to uphold for me here watching it. Okay, here's and just just so you know. Uh, I moved out to Los Angeles as a stand-up comic, and I've, I've had I've been pretty lucky and pretty fortunate. I've had some success. I've also written on a bunch of uh, television shows, and that's what uh, the debates. It's all about. You want it to be information, and you want to go. Okay, I'm confused about X, Y, and Z, and I want this candidate to tell me what they really think. That is not what a debate is. It's all about hearts and minds. It's all about emotion, and it's all that's that's what it's always been, and that's what a lot of people don't want to say out loud. So even though uh, Trump didn't interrupt first, it was Biden. Biden started this. Biden was going, you know, muttering under his breath, "Oh, you clown! You don't know what you're doing." And then Trump started firing back. However, if you if you look at it, it seemed like, wow, Trump was really interrupting him a lot. Trump was being belligerent, and that ain't good. That ain't good. Yeah. And then the other thing that really I really found disturbing about it is when Chris Wallace asked Donald Trump, he goes, in Charlottesville, you said there were good people on both sides. Now, that quote was taken completely out of context, and if you try to post that on Facebook, they'll fact-check you because it's taken out of context, and Trump never said that white supremacists were good or Nazis were good. He went out of his way to condemn the neo-Nazis and all that crap in Charlottesville. So CNN doesn't even run that anymore. So when Chris Wallace asked that question of Trump – I was I was flabbergasted. I'm like, why would he bring that? Why would he bring that up? Yeah. So that to me seemed like uh, some 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 home cooking. Uh, and I, you know, you think, okay, well, maybe Chris Wallace uh, wants wants Biden to win. I don't think the debate changed anybody's mind. I think if you were already going to vote for Trump, you're still going to vote for him. If you're going to vote for Joe Biden, you're still going to vote for him. The terrifying thing. The scary notion that a lot of people aren't even bringing up is like uh, is Chris Wallace goes to Biden. He goes, will you give your word right now? Will you answer whether you plan on packing the Supreme Court or not? And Biden said no. 
He just said, no, I'm not going to answer that. Which, wait, <laughs> what? You're not, are you allowed to do that in a debate? Which, of course, when he refuses to answer it, it means, the, yeah, he's going to pack the court. So they want to add more Supreme Court justices. And, uh, yeah, it's, that, that part was, was the most shocking to me. When Biden just said, no, I'm not going to answer that question. You're not allowed to do that. You know, talk about talk about not presidential. What are you gonna do? If Kim Jong Un is like, "Hey, I'm gonna launch a nuke at you." What are you gonna? No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, try you know try to stop him with this. Nope, not gonna do it. No, I, I, no. I agree. It was a, it, it was crazy. And then you know, of course, getting on your Instagrams and your Twitters and everything. What what I dislike the most about it is that all of the comedians or the musicians or the wrestlers or whoever I like. Everybody has got a hardcore opinion about it on either side, and they're just wailing on it. They don't ever talk about, you know, any of their music anymore, hardly, or you know, like The Rock's movies. It's oh, Biden this, and even Kevin Hart. Oh, Trump hates this, and it's like, why can't you guys just stick to what you're professional at? I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just kind of yeah, annoying. yeah. It's uh, I know, I know my fair share of uh, television and movie stars that aren't going to dip their toe in the water. Like, why do it? Why do it? I can understand, I guess, why a celebrity would let you know how they're voting, but you've got to be prepared to lose half your people. You're going to, you got to be ready. Okay. Have, did you see The Rock's Instagram? Uh, I didn't. I did see the video he put out, though. Oh, my gosh. Go to Instagram and look. The Rock, he did that little video where he's like, I'm going to endorse Joe Biden. First of all, endorse. That's what like, get, dude, get down off your soapbox. You're going to endorse? No, but you're, you're going to vote for Joe Biden, but you're going to endorse? Who do you think you are? Is he like a newspaper? <laughs> I'm endorsing. But people ripped him up one side and down the other. I mean, there's just thousands and thousands of comments of people who like, I'll never watch your movie again. You suck. Why did you do this? I can't stand you. I'll never go to your movie again. I'll never. It was just crazy. There's. Tens of thousands of comments. Yeah, that's like, um, and, and I love The Rock, uh, you know, for his entertainment. But you know, being in Nashville, uh, like the Zach Brown band, who's a band I've really liked throughout the years, and then he gets on there and talks about how he's got to fire half of his crew and blames the president for it. And I'm just like, you know, why throw that in there? You know, he's on there crying, and you know, man, we can't, they can't feed their families. They had to let 80 people go, but it's. Trump's fault, like he brought COVID here. I mean, right. In, in any party, even if Biden was president, like how can you fault one person for all this? Like, I, you know, it just it, it floors me, it baffles me. Dude, I'm so glad you said that because that that might be my video tonight. Is anybody mad at China? Is anybody mad at? They act like Trump was back in the bedroom of the White House with a freaking chemistry set, going, "Oh, I'll know, I know how I'll ruin shit." No, China did this. <laughs> He's going. They, this is this is going to be the greatest disease of all time in America. The greatest number one. Right. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I got the economy booming. I got record low unemployment. Here's how I'll throw a curveball at them. Yeah, it, I'll invent crazy. a virus. Yeah. yeah. For for anybody to blame this on Trump is just the most. Because especially because when the dude and that's just the other thing that drives me crazy because he shut down flights from China he's like nope no flights from China and you got Democrats going he's a xenophobe he's yeah, a yeah. xenophobe and Nancy Pelosi's like come on down to Chinatown we're all having soup and Bill De Blasio in New York oh it's safe he's he's and then look at New York they got whacked. 
San Francisco got whacked, and now they're trying to blame Trump. It's just yeah. – it boggles your mind, man. It does. It's just it, – it, the world is so mad. I never – in my – I'll be 38 next week, and I've never in all my years imagined what I would see in this lifetime, what's going on right now. It's just every time I think I've seen it all, I just come home after work uh, when I'm not podcasting, of course turn on the TV, and it's like, oh, nope, that uh, that just definitely topped anything I ever imagined would, uh, you know, come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, well, welcome aboard, dude, welcome aboard, because you'll see something like that that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You'll go, wow, what? They're, they're mad at Trump when he was proactive, and he did everything he could, and when New York was like, we need ventilators, he's like, okay, here you go, there's tons of ventilators, and like, oh, we need a Navy ship with a hospital, okay, boom, there you go. And then they're mad at Trump like he invented this virus. And and then when you see all these news outlets do it, too, like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, are like, wow, Trump is really not a good president for letting this happen. And you're just like, wow, when when did news outlets start picking the side they want to win? That's dangerous, man. That makes you question everything. Yeah, it's, 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 it's scary and it's bizarre, like it, it, especially like – even thinking from an outsider's perspective of, you know, other countries looking at us thinking, wow, they disrespect the person they voted in, uh, you know, with their democracy and their freedoms to be president. If they're going to diss him, I mean, they're, they're imploding. You know, it's like <laughs> everybody looks at us like, well, what are they doing? If they, you know, they, they bash their own people that they've elected. I mean, what, what's next? Sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and there's a lot of people that, you know, claim that there's been a, a giant disinformation campaign, you know, going on that started back in the Cold War in the 1950s and the 1960s, where, you know, Russia was like, because this was like back in communist, you know, USSR, they're like, we're going to get some people over there. We're just going to start stirring it up. We're going to start stirring it up and get them at each other's throats. And uh, it looks like that little campaign has really paid off. Yeah. It's hard it's really it's hard to talk to people about politics especially when you know you support Trump because anybody who leans to the right now you're just portrayed you're just portrayed as oh you must be a racist too oh you must be a nazi too and they've yeah. they've turned they've turned the president into this monster in the in the press and anybody who supports him well then you must be a monster too and then you got groups out there like Antifa who are like hey we just want to beat up monsters so holy crap! And then you partner up, you partner up, violent Antifa with some violent members of uh, of Black Lives Matter, and who doesn't want to see a monster get his ass kicked? You're like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm ridding the world of monsters. That's a really really dangerous spot, man. That's yeah. a really dangerous spot. It is. And then you know, in the South here, and you know, they're they're wanting to tear down every statue and. And, and this, that, and other. And then, you know, I've had people say to me, well, I don't understand, you know, my ancestors were slave owners. Well, my, uh, you know, my family has done the whole ancestry thing. And the one uh, relative I have that served in the Civil War was actually out working in a tobacco field. They owned no slaves. And they're like, oh, we need numbers. You're coming. It wasn't a, hey, you know, this is for your slaves. I mean, not, no, nobody I know even owned any. So yeah. I don't know how I wind up being, you know, just the, you know, target enemy number one because I've never owned anybody, nobody in my family. I've never, you know, been malicious towards a certain color. I just try to, you know, do my thing and survive as best I can. 
Yeah, and that is like that's the thing. It's like when there's real racial injustice, I will I'll be right there with you to fight it. I'll be when there's real discrimination, I'll be right beside you to fight it. Nobody wants that. Everybody like all men are created equal. That whole nine, and then I yeah. I just this whole. It seems like a con game with these people. Oh, I'm so upset. 400 years ago, this horrible thing happened, and you're not over it? You can't – like, you got to move on. you got to pick up and move. And if you're mad at, if you, if you're mad at slavery, then you might want to head over to Libya because slavery is more popular now than it ever was. And for these morons who think that, like, America invented slavery, you might want to crack open the Bible and then and see who the pharaoh had helping him build those pyramids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gonna go over there and topple them over here before too long. <laughs> right? You're gonna knock over the pyramids because uh, you're mad at Ramses because a thousand years ago something happened to one of your ancestors. Okay, good luck. I can't even remember what I ate for dinner a year ago or a week ago, let alone you know worry about what happened way before I was ever thought of. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah. Dig it. Um, but I, you, you did kind of post something interesting. Do you think, in your opinion, Joe Rogan would be a good moderator for these two guys? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And here's why. And and I've met Joe a couple times, and he's a really solid dude. Like, Joe Rogan is, number one, he's like the everyman. And number two, he could shut him up. He's not going to lean one way or the other. He's an independent dude. And, like, like Trump said it, I think, kind of as a joke on Twitter uh, like a couple weeks ago. But I, I'm like, that's a great idea. That's a great idea to have Joe Rogan host a debate and then just have him have a kill switch. So if anybody keeps talking too long, you just bloop, just turn off their microphone. Yeah. Not to mention he's he's very fluent in the martial arts and, and all the MMA and stuff. He could just go choke hold somebody. I don't think – Can you imagine him choking out Joe Biden? That would be oh hilarious. God. And probably murder him right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that would be. And I, I agree with you. You know, obviously he's he's the, as a podcaster, he is like the Mickey Mantle. You know, he's got a great show, and I enjoy listening to him because he is even kill, and 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 I respect that, and that's how I try to be myself. But I think he'd be perfect for it. I think because he would talk calmly in an intelligent manner, and would just shut it off if it got too, uh, you know, astronomically crazy. Like when they started shouting like kids. I think he would be like, oh, no, can't do it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, let, and you know, Joe, he'd get up out of the chair and go walking over and just be like, hey, you need to shut up now. You yeah. need to shut up now. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be the greatest thing ever. Um, Okay, a little bit lighter stuff, and I appreciate your time. Just two more questions for you, um, and, and I'm really excited about you coming to Nashville. Looking forward to it. Um. Um, what was Charlie Sheen like? Because I, I saw that you you dealt with him with anger management, correct? And and you know I know what we see on TV and how he acts, but what is he really like? Because obviously you spent a lot of time with him. Yeah, we did uh, we did a hundred episodes of this show called Anger Management, which it's it's streaming now on on one of the platforms, and I think I think FX still plays it and all that stuff. But it was kind of crazy because he had just come off Two and a Half Men, uh, and FX was like, we want to do 100 episodes as fast as we can. So in just about, just a little under two and a half years, we made 100 episodes of television. Wow. And, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was hanging out with Charlie quite a bit, and uh, this will probably, hopefully not be too boring for your listeners, but there is a reason that that, that dude is a star. 
he's got an um, he's smarter than you would believe. Like he is a highly intelligent uh, intelligent dude, and he knows his craft and he knows how to act. And I I never had I never had problem one with the guy with like oh he's you know I never saw I never saw him on drugs I never I never saw him drunk uh, anything and he would come in and he would just crush it and his dad was on the show too uh, his dad would hang out quite a bit Martin and that's another just uh, he's a really 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 you know strong actor and just fantastic but Charlie man that dude was just an insanely ge- generous. Just like a workhorse, just he he could show up. That dude, because like each script is about roughly forty five pages, and Charlie Sheen's the star of the show, and he's in the majority of the scenes. You could give him six pages of dialogue. I'm not even kidding you, dude. Six pages of dialogue. He could sit down, and like an hour later, boom, he's got it. He's memorized. Wow. And he can he knows what he has to say. Then he knows where he has to stand, so the cameras can spot him. He knows the blocking. The dude is just a, an absolute champ. And I, I was, and thank goodness, if he wasn't so good at what he did, we never would have been able to do a hundred episodes in two years. We were cranking, man. We were working our asses off, and the guy was just in, insanely generous. Insanely generous. That's so cool to hear because, you know, I've loved him since, you know, of course, playing uh, Ricky Vaughn in the Major League. And, but all, all I see, you know, when they put him in the tabloids and everything is, is, is like, man, he is just over the edge. Like, he's like an actor, but like if Motley Crue were, were Hollywood, it would be Charlie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, he definitely knows how to have fun. He definitely knows. He's, he's definitely living on the edge and doing whatever he wants. Uh, and. But like I'm, I'm cool with all that. I don't care. I don't, dude. I don't care what anybody does. It's yeah. your life. Live it. Have fun. Like at one point, at one point, we had just finished up an episode, and uh, Charlie was dating this girl. Uh, she was an adult film actress, and she was oh, just wow. fantastic. Just one of the nicest people I'd ever met. And Charlie had a house. I think he still does over in Hawaii. So the writers, we were all going to stay and write, and Charlie had a couple days off. And so he was going to Hawaii on a private – he was going to a, his his house in Hawaii. He was flying there on a private jet with his girlfriend, the adult film star, and a cup and a couple of her girlfriends who were also adult film stars. <laughs> and one of my buddies who was also a writer-producer on the show, he's like, he looked at me and he's like really confused. He was really confused. He's like, dude, he goes, what do you do in Hawaii with like three porn stars? And I looked at him like, dude, what don't you do? Yeah. What don't you do? You're Charlie Sheen. You got three hotties who are down the freaking clown. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'm green with envy. And you're like, what's he going to do? Well, sure. I doubt they're going to play charades. Yeah, exactly. If, if you if you don't know or have a clue what's going to happen, I guess you'd ever figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Wow, what a life. Something I can only, you know, imagine. Um, but uh, last question, and a few episodes back, I interviewed Carrie Means, and he played the, the Cup of Fries on Aqua Teen, Prowler. Okay, yeah. And I noticed, you know, you had some stuff about the whole, you know, they, they decide now, which is these cartoons came out. I was in high school. 
and it's like they're waiting till now to like cancel a couple of episodes. One because like one of the characters gets bit by like a radioactive black person or something. But I don't know. Like, why do they wait till now? Like, why is it just offensive now and it wasn't offensive, you know, a decade or so ago, twenty years ago, or whatever? Well, because it's 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 all about. Um, Oh my gosh! What do they call that? It's 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 all very narcissistic, and it's all very hey, look at me, and it's all very, uh, it's it's like a show, man. Uh, it's not it's not social justice. Oh my gosh, what's the word? Uh, but people like they take. I think they take joy in being offended. They go, look at me, look at me, look how smart I am. I'm so smart, I'm offended by that. You're not offended by that? Oh, you should be offended by that. If you were smart, you'd be offended by that. It's all just, it's all just narcissistic, just boring, man. It's so boring. And they've done studies, you know, and they've done polls that like, like Native Americans, like, like 99% of them were perfectly fine with the Washington Redskins being the Washington Redskins. Yeah, 99% of them were completely fine with the Cleveland Indians being the Cleveland like, – like what is the problem? And they, they know now that it's like, it's like white, college-educated liberals who are just sitting back and they're like, oh, I'm, offend, I'm offended for black people. Black people, you should be offended. And that, that to me is just always just like you're bored. You need to get a life. And it always makes me laugh when you see like – some white chick out there marching for Black Lives Matter, and she's screaming at a black cop, calling him a racist. Yeah, and you're like, it's the yeah. funniest shit ever. Yeah, and, and another thing that, that that baffles me with this stuff, and, and is that you'll see a lot of um, uh, I don't know what the proper term is, but you know, a mixed race, uh, you know, uh, white and black parents, but these. These humans that are, you know, of both races, white and black, they seem like, like some I know they'll be pushing the most buttons, like uh, Biden's VP pick. She's talking about, you know, how white people hate black people, and I think she's married to a white guy. Mm-hmm. So that that's what really – Yeah, like, and I she's mean, Jamaican. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, don't even, I don't even think she's black. I think she's like East Indian or something. Right on. It's, uh, yeah. it's hilarious. It's all yeah. – it, it, it's all just a uh, it's just stupid man yeah. it's just stupid and the more that you pay attention to it and and give it life like the worse the worse off i think we are as a culture i mean funny is uh, funny is just funny but i'm sorry it, it's been like this since cavemen days like i'm sorry but when when that when a rock hits grog on the on the toe and he starts hopping around that shit. I'm sorry. That shit's funny. Like, I'm yeah. sorry that I'm, I'm insensitive to the needs of the caveman and the plight of the Neanderthal, but Hey, <laughs> screw you. I'm laughing. I, uh, I have a, uh, a vinyl collection and I have a recently purchased a red Fox album, him performing at his own nightclub. And uh, on both sides, he, he hits everybody all colors. Yeah. He, and it, it is, it's hilarious. Uh, white people, black people, Paul Mooney's the same way. He, you know, he sometimes he'll knock it out of the park and just call them all. And to me, it's funny. My feelings aren't hurt. You know, I, I just I don't get it. I, I just feel like I'm from another planet sometimes. But I tell you what, if you want to have your mind blown, go go on YouTube and and look up George Carlin talking about the N word. Oh, that wow. is that is the atomic bomb. That is the atomic bomb of of free freedom of speech comedy. 
It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, That's Carlin cool. wasn't afraid of nothing. Yeah. That's uh, I love George Carlin. I'm going to definitely check that out. Um, but anyway, hey, thank you so much, Mr. Loftus, and I will see you in Nashville. Uh, Loftus Party. Um, tell us how to get a hold of you on your socials for anybody on mine that may not uh, be aware of it yet. Here you go. I make it so easy. The website is theloftusparty.com, and I am uh, The Loftus Party on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, The Loftus Party, YouTube. Subscribe, bitches. Subscribe. Heck yeah. And that wraps up another edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. And what a fun episode it was. Special thanks to my guests, Grammy Award-winning artist John Barry and his wife Robin, who have a new podcast out called Faith, Family, and Friends. Be sure to check that out. Coming out real soon, they conducted an interview, which happened to be the last interview ever, with the legendary fiddle player, Charlie Daniels. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out and a thanks to stand-up comedian Michael Loftus, host of The Loftus Party. For being on the podcast, we discuss his trip to Zany's Nashville, where he'll be performing Wednesday, October 21st. It will also be a live taping for Fox Nation, so be sure to get your tickets here in Nashville. Check him out. Really, really funny guy. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for taking the time to give this show a chance because without you I'm nothing I'll just be flapping my gums into the wind if you know anybody you think would be an awesome guest for the show hit me up or have them hit me up Josh Belcher at hotmail.com and I want you to remember as always I love you for you and where you're at in life have a great happy productive week be safe take care of each other and I will catch you next time goodbye everybody <laughs>